faith, fight, basketball. This is the F2 Basketball Podcast. Hey, we're back. This is Colin Stevens. I'm here with my good friend, Bruce Stan Cabbage, up here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, Bruce, it is good to have you on the show, man. Man, great to be here. So we're going to get right into it, buddy. I want you uh, to, to let the audience know a little bit about your basketball journey. So take me, your 15-year-old Bruce St. Cabbage, just outside of Philadelphia. Um, what's, like, where, like, where did your journey start? What, how did it go? Where did you end up? And, and that kind of deal. Right. I think I want to even back it up a little bit further right. and kind of go to my 10-year-old self, yeah. where I was the younger brother uh, of an athlete, um, played basketball and football in high school, and I remember going to all his games right. you know, as a 10-year-old, and he was a... He was a superstar, ended up playing quarterback at the University of North Carolina, and I was his little brother, and I was the ball boy in the football games, right, right. his high school football games. Um, and then during the basketball games, I remember dreaming, you know, one day being out there on the court like he was and everything. And uh, so I think it just starts there. We come from a very athletic family, right. and it just kind of migrated into uh, in the sports. And then I remember when I was a sophomore, actually I remember as a ninth grader, going to games with my dad, you know, my brother's seven years older, so he's gone, but, you know, we were in the community and knew the coaches, and I remember traveling about 45 minutes away, going to a, a high school game, and uh, just doing the national anthem, just sitting there, like, dreaming as a ninth grader, Yeah. you know, man, could I be out here next year, you know, was I good enough to do it, right. you know, and then my sophomore year, you know, I ended up starting, was a three-year starter back then, we didn't have four years right. uh, in high school, and you know, and so that was, you know, that really kind of kicked it off um, and played, you know, for three years in, in high school and ended up playing college at Lafayette College in right. Pennsylvania. Right. That's where you got your buckets in, in college. Uh, yeah, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't start out that way. I mean, I, I um, you know, I, I, I gradually progressed in, in the college game, getting yeah. used to it. We had some good players in three out of the four years. My teams were pretty good. Yeah. Um, so what type of player would you say that you were in your prime and your best? What are the things that you, what were the best things that you did? Um, it's, you know, the, the, the word that comes to my mind, which I'm not necessarily proud of was cocky. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I was arrogant and probably wasn't really fun to play against and maybe probably with, but, um, you know, I think my senior year in college, like I just can score, I could compete. Yeah. You know, and I love just being out there, yeah. uh, out there playing. You know, so it was, you know, that I was, I was really combo guard in, yeah. in high school. I shot it all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and back then, that's how old I am. We didn't have a three point line. Oh, right. <laughs> um, right. First time I had experience with three point line was a freshman in college. Okay. Um, you know, so I was shot all the time in high school. Then college, they didn't really have a ball handler, so I just kind of migrated. Right. Into uh, into handling the ball more, and you know, I just would score, shoot threes, take it to the bucket, you right. know, just kind of. Now I caught you on the tail end of your, uh, you know, your your basketball career. I, mean, I know you played a ton of pickup after you got done, and that was mm -hmm. some, you know, it's a way for you to keep playing and stay in shape and that kind of thing. So I would I would say your competitiveness and your defensive ability. I was impressed with your defensive <laughs> ability, even at the age that you were, man. Like, you know, we've gone toe-to-toe -to -toe a few times, and I've, I've been impressed. I, that was something, I, and I can only imagine you as a younger player. like. Right. You know, and it's funny, as a sophomore, I was defensive player of the year in my conference. In college. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, 
Um, I, you know, it's just something that I took pride in right. in college, right. just like that that I wanted to shut down the other guy's best player. Right. And I think I, I wasn't the quickest or the fastest, but I had long arms, and I think I could just feel where guys were doing. And yeah. if you play enough, yeah. you kind of just get a sense of, of the options of what a guy could actually do right. with the ball. You know, they weren't doing the new James Harden behind the back moves back then. <laughs> you know, so I don't think I could guard that. Nobody can. But, you know, it's just – I think I just – you kind of knew where guys were going and yeah. just could anticipate it. Yeah. And defense isn't – I mean, it's really about heart and effort, right. you know, and, and just competing. Yeah. You know, and I, belief. I mean, you said something about you know you being maybe cocky or arrogant, but right. your belief in yourself that you could shut somebody down was right. massive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it certainly didn't hurt, but yeah, I mean, right. I, I think, and I, and it helped us win. You yeah. know what I mean? I think if, if you limit the other team's best player and you can still score, you know, you got a better chance of winning. So it was also right. that way that like, you know, I remember playing pickup games, and that probably comes from two things. One is being. Uh, um, having an older brother who was a football player and a good basketball player, you know, he used to you know, beat the snot out of me playing, you know, when I was 12, 13, 15, you know, I'm 15, rising sophomore, he's 22, just finished his football career at Carolina trying to play in the NFL. Right. And, um, you know, we still play some pickup or one-on-one-on-one -on -one <laughs> or two-on-two. -two and, you know, Rod Elkins is one of his buddies, was a Carolina quarterback, which is four stud. Right. You know, and, and playing against football players, they're just physical. They're just tougher, yeah. and, and yeah, they would just. Yeah. And they're already bigger and older, and, and yeah. they would just they, we got nothing free. There was no free buckets. Right. You know, and right. I just there was no free buckets. It's right. just kind of and like that's just how I learned to play. Like right. you're not gonna get free buckets, right. especially if you made three or four in a row. You're you, there's, <laughs> there's no right. freebies, you right. know. Um, and so I think it was just it's just kind of how. Yeah. How I learned to compete. Right. You know, and, and um Well so we met really we met through your son, your oldest son, Luke, right. who is a stud of a player now. And um, you know, uh I've I've had the privilege of working with him. Um and so now your dad and you've got a, 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 a son who is a junior this year who's being recruited and he's kind of going through some of the processes that you went through. And so, so talk a little about about being a dad in this position. And your son is a star at the school, and he's a, he's a fantastic player. Like, what's, what are some of the thoughts that are going through your mind now? Um, uh, yeah, good question. I think one of the first things that hits me as you ask that is like, man, I wish he played the piano. Um, and I say that jokingly because... Um, it would be easier on me as a dad and a former player if he played a sport I didn't know about. Oh yeah, in many ways. Yeah. My, I've uh, Luke's the oldest, and, and the two younger guys play lacrosse, football, and ice hockey. Right. I mean, I know a little bit about football, being around it, but those are sports that I, you know, hadn't studied. I didn't practice for thousands of hours mm -hmm. in playing college, and so like, I, it's hard. It's not hard to watch, but I know. I know a lot. You know too much. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's what kind of first hits me. Yeah. It would be easier, but that's about me and not about him. Um, but, you know, I think just, yeah, it's just, it's just great joy yeah. to, to, to watch, yeah. you know. Uh, I remember when two things, I used to work out in Philadelphia, um, drive 45 minutes, and my dad would drive me down there. And these were, it's in the third floor at LaSalle University, this hot, old, ugly, dirty, dingy gym. 
and uh, my dad would always come in and watch. Yeah. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? Like, yeah. why? It's hot. It's, you know, we're not doing anything. It's right. long lines and reverse layups. Uh, I never really understood it, you know, until now. Um, like, just to be able to watch Luke work out yeah. is a privilege. Yeah. Like, it's just joy. It's just yeah. fun. Like, yeah. like, whether we make shots or miss shots or it's just fun it's just a gift right. you know that um you know someday they'll understand i hope sure. you know because right. they you know he's getting the age he obviously doesn't want me there watching his workouts right, or anything right, right. and that's fine and i get it but um it's just a lot it's it's a lot of fun to to, to watch well, it's part of y'all's relationship and it's you know you do have knowledge of the game and i'm sure at this point he's probably if you try to impart some knowledge he's probably bucking some of it and just you know like so even that dance that you guys are doing in your relationship but for him to also you know he's there's gonna get to a point where he's like right now he's like dad doesn't know anything there's gonna get to a point where he's like oh my gosh my dad knew a ton like right like you know like we all go through that that phase of through right. high school and then college and but okay so how about how about where you uh the recruiting process and where you see him maybe being able to play or like what like how, mentally i just want to where are you there like how are you, are you do you wish he was getting recruited more are you cool with where he's being recruited where are you like all together right yeah um i think um yeah, you know, my hope for him mm -hmm. is that he goes to a place that he will play. Yeah, you know that's sure. and that's what I tell any of the athletes I've ever talked to. You, and nowadays especially, it's a full time job. Yeah, and and if you don't get to play and you're not having fun or you get hurt, like you need to like the school and have a chance to play. Right. That's you know, right. playing at the highest level. While a lot of kids dream of that. Playing at the highest level and not playing, or playing at any level right, and not playing, right, it's not right. fun. Who likes yeah. to practice and not get out there on the court when the lights are on? You know, so that's my, that's my hope for him. Hey guys, this is Colin. Uh, we had a little interruption when we were recording this podcast, so I just want to frame up the next section for you. Uh, as we come back in here, Bruce is talking about the nervousness that he experienced as a high school uh, basketball player, and uh, then it leads into this. I mean, I handled the ball, but it wasn't the senior was the star. I was just kind of the handle the ball and break the press and, and do certain things. But I just remember that I will, I felt the weight of the world yeah. on me, and which is which makes sense if, if I'm getting my identity and who I am from my performance on the court. Sure, that's a big burden for a 15, 16, yeah. 50 year old to, right. to, to carry. Sure. And so that was that burden, yeah. you know. Stayed with me, you right. know. Um, stayed with me through through college. In fact, you know, my first two years in college, I would dry heat before games. You know, I felt the, wow. the weight. Yeah, I felt the weight. You know, the first time it happened, we were playing um, David Rivers, who was an All American at Notre Dame, and yeah. Notre Dame actually came to uh, play at Lafayette College. Um, their coach at the time was Garrett Williams. Garrett Williams was a coach at Lafayette College okay. back in the day, and so that was the connection. So Notre Dame actually came to our little school, and right. and uh, I remember we just finished the scouting report, and you know the names on the board, and and um, and the coach told me that I was guarding David Rivers, and uh, and and he also said, hey, they're gonna press us, you better be ready for the press, or we're gonna get embarrassed on national TV. Right. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, right. My heart, I can feel my heart yeah. now. Like, 
oh, really, thanks, coach. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm already, you know, nervous is just in any game. It's on TV, All-American, at our court. I have 50 family and friends there. The gym's packed and, and so on. And finish the, uh, finish the scouting report. The team files out of locker room. We go down steps in our locker room. And then, and then we meet and then go out into the gym. And so as we file out of the locker room, the team goes out. I wait last and I run to the bathroom and I start, you know, dry heaving. And I, I yeah, and I, I, I couldn't vomit because I didn't have any food in my stomach. All right. Because I couldn't eat. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I, I didn't eat the pregame meal, you know, because I was too anxious. Yeah. And, um, and so I remember dry heaving, making the, those noise, and the assistant coach peeked his head in and he's like, hey, man, you okay? You know, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, no. Right. <laughs> you see, you know, heads up to any people out there. If you see a kid, an 18-year-old with his head in the toilet before a game, like, something's not right. right. <laughs> you know, like, hello. Right. You know, and uh, and he's like, well, the team's waiting for you down there before they go out the locker room. I'm like, all right, I'll be right out, right. you know, and finished and came, you know, came out. And, and the team never knew. Right. That that coach is the only one that knew probably the head coach but nobody ever talked to me about it mm-hmm. you know like what's going on and, and mm-hmm. you know and and so that that was my freshman year and sophomore and so it would happen intermittently for the first two years right. that I would just with the weight those tears that yeah. I had as a ninth grade I mean as a tenth grader oh, right. you know just feeling the weight that, yeah, that yeah, I didn't yeah. play well we wouldn't win right you know so however that got message got in me so that Getting that's a big burden. Yeah, that's an <laughs> obstacle to, to, to fight through. Yeah. Or to fight around. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, good. I don't think you fight it. I think you understand what's going on. Mm. You know, and and we were talking before, and you asked me what would I tell my younger self. Yeah. I would tell him just have fun. It's okay, man. Mm. You know, just it's okay. And <laughs> like, you feel like nobody nobody knew where you were mentally to be able to tell you that. Or yeah. did anybody care? I don't know. Or, or did you? Or right. did you keep it all to yourself? Yeah, I kept nobody... it to myself. Mm-hmm. You know that coach never talked to me after that. All right. You know nobody never never asked me, and so you know I internal I felt I looked at all the guys on my team, and I'm the only one struggling. So something's wrong with me. Right. So what's wrong with me right, that right, I right, you right. know and I'm a good player. I'm starting as a freshman and right. And so I just internalized. I had no yeah. place to go yeah. to talk to anybody about right. it. I mean, I, I, I know people cared. But, sure, but sure. I remember I, I, I wrote that story out and uh, published it. And my mom, that's the first time she ever heard about it. And oh, she called wow. me crying. And wow. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, that I didn't do anything. I said, Mom, it's not your fault. It's nobody's right. fault. But just... You know, so they, they didn't know. Right. And it wasn't. I well, and, and that was also a different day and age. Right. I mean, it was almost like if you're a man, you don't say anything. You just right. do. You right. know, and, and so there wasn't maybe a, a, even an awareness right. to connect with what was going on inside of you. I mean, now we've got players in the NBA coming about coming yeah. out and talking about, you know, the anxiety and yep. some of the depression that some of them even deal with. And we see these stars and we hold them up so high that everything must be so great because they're making a lot of money or they're, you know, they're, they're on TV every other night and what they're talking about, Hey, there's something so different going on internally. Right. And nobody, nobody really knows. And some people don't care. Some people think they should just suck it up and get over it. Right. That wasn't something that you could just suck up and get over. Right, 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 right. 
So it's, it's great to see Kevin Love, yeah, Lamar DeRozan, yeah. you know, and more people because I think it's becoming more acceptable to at least talk about yeah. it. That's what I yeah, respect yeah. and honor. And now these colleges, these universities have sports psychologists right. or at least resources right, right, right. where people could talk to them. Well, it's almost like too, you know, there was a, there's a day and age, and I think it still happens in some sports where where coaches will shame players, right. they'll make them feel bad about what's going on internally as though they could control it yeah, as if anybody would say man i'd love to feel terribly anxious right now <laughs> right i'm uh, you know i'm i'm depressed i'm choosing to be depressed you know like nobody can control that right and so for some for a man in that position to say oh you know you're not being a man like that is that is so twisted and right. and and so i appreciate so so you dealing with that from what i know a little bit about your story too also kind of led you into you know you you were you your family started in North Carolina and then you guys just kind of pick up and, and you picked up and, right. and moved to Seattle right and in Seattle I mean what took you to Seattle <laughs> yeah uh, a master's in counseling psychology mm. you know I think just in my um, own search yeah. that you know I, I remember graduating college and I was thinking oh man you know, maybe I don't have to deal with this right. anxiousness after right. I stop playing basketball. Yeah, and uh, that wasn't true, you know, because that that you know inner terror yeah. followed me into my jobs mm. and into my relationships and into my life. Wow. You know, yeah. um, and it wasn't. See, I think I associated. I believe that it was the basketball court or David Rivers that made me feel that way, yeah, and, yeah. It, and, it, and it's not coming from out there. Right. You know, it's it's coming from inside and, right. and, and and the combination of my thought feelings and so on. And so I didn't realize that, obviously, at the time. But right. um, so I just my own journey. And, and this was a graduate school that um, looked at the world and looked at faith the way that I looked at the world yeah. and, and looked at our life as a narrative. Um, and so, you know, I'll never forget thinking that I wanted to go to go somewhere to learn more. You mm -hmm. know, it was really my search for my own inner freedom. Right, you right. You know, that, that I remember talking to a, a friend. So I lived in Durham at the time. Um, it's actually my business partner now. And so I'm on the phone with him. I'm in Durham. He's down here in Charlotte. I'm, I'm like, yeah, man, you know, thinking about graduate school and counseling, uh, you know, and he, and he, he goes, hey, man, you want to look at uh, Dan Allender's school. This is a guy that we, yeah. that we knew. And I said, isn't that way out in Seattle? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. I just, at that time, you know, my youngest was just born, right. you know, or no, my wife was pregnant. I'm like, no way. Like, right. I'm going to move. Like, life was good where I was. Yeah. Business was. Yeah, yeah. You know, our house. Exterior. Was, yes, was yeah, good. yeah. Yeah, right. The country club. The kids were going to the pool in the summer. It was, life was good. But, you know, inside I was still struggling with that. So, um, I remember thinking about that and he told me that I kind of put it you know, back in my mind and forgot about it, but they just kept popping back yeah. up. Like, why not? Why not go out there? Right. Like, what do you, I mean, I had some business things were going well and I had some freedom at the time. I remember getting ready to go, uh, talk to, to my wife and I was, you know, really scared to death. Like right. what she would say, be like, dude, you're crazy. No right. way. Never, right. you know? And, and, uh, so I told her and she's like, kind of looked at me funny of course right. as she would you know I was 38 39 at the time like what are you doing having a midlife crisis and um I guess I guess right. um 
And so we just kind of let it let it slide. You know, she didn't say anything, and I didn't bring it up. And right. you know, she just said, "Okay, let me think about it, right. whatever." And then I don't know, a couple of days went by, maybe a week, and and uh, I remember getting saying goodbye in the morning, going into my car, and I opened the car door, and sitting on the car seat was a, a brown paper bag. I'm like, what is that? You know, um, and in it, I I pull out. Um, it's a movie, and the movie is Sleepless in Seattle. And my wife wrote a little note that said, um, "I'll follow you anywhere." Oh wow! Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and so that's how she said yes. And yeah. said, Yes, we'll go. And so I'm like, "You sure?" And right. You know, and yeah, that's kind of she's an adventurous woman, obviously, yeah, and that's yeah. what uh, let us out there. You know, right. I mean, but it was clearly, you know, really just to to, to deal with. Sure. And so that kind of leads me into the, to like, what do you, what, what does faith mean to you? Like even when somebody says faith or what do you believe in or what, you know, what's your relationship to God? Like all of that together, like what is, what does that, what does that mean to you? Yeah. 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 Um, good question. I think, you know, I took a whole class in graduate school in Seattle called Faith, Hope and Love. Mm. We spent uh, 50 hours studying those three words in a yeah. biblical context um, and what they mean. And so when I hear the word faith now, to me, faith is a is rooted in the past. Faith is rooted in the goodness of God's, uh, yeah, God's goodness in the past. You know, and so to remember, to say that we have faith is to remember what he has done in the past. Yeah. You know, and if you look in the Old Testament and, and, and so on, Faith is grown in the desert. You know, it's not grown when right. things are good. And if you look at that biblical narrative, when things were good for the Israelites, yeah. they lost, They didn't have faith. Yeah. They, but when they were in the desert and they had nothing right. to depend on, right. that's when God would show up. And yeah. so, and, and that's a, a poor description of my class. But sure, it's, sure. when I think of faith, it's, it's you know, it's, it's just rooted in the goodness of God's past okay. and what He's done for us. And so, and so, where would you, what would you say you're learning most about, about God or about faith or about your relationship with Christ? Like, what would you, what are you learning now? What's what's God been had on your heart or mind recently? Right. You know, I think how I forget that, <laughs> how I forget, you know, how I've made it through so many different things. Yeah. You know, and so, um, and and so, I think he's constantly reminding me that I'm not alone, that I'm mm. with you, that that you've been through things. Right. You know. Um, well, and but as you said that, you even said that that you've made it through so many things. Right. But really, what you're what you're reminding, what he's reminding you is that he's been with you right. through all of those things. Yes. And I think that's a lot of times that's what we get to as we approach something new, a right. new obstacle. Or something where you know unexpected, and we just we get this alone feeling again. Right. And it's you know it's almost it's almost like you're saying like the Israelites were out in the desert and like God's like guys, I just I just brought you through the Red Sea. Right. Don't you remember when right. I parted that whole sea? Right. Like did you how do you forget that? You know right. it wasn't that long ago, and it's like we do the same things in our yes. lives at times where we feel like we're coming to something new and it's like, oh what do we do? Right. And where he just wants us to understand like. Believe in me. Right. Like I'm with you. Like right. nothing's nothing's gonna happen outside of my will for you. Right. 
That was well said. That was what I was trying to yeah. say. Like, well, and I and I, and I, and I, and I thought that because as much as as much as we talk and, and yeah. you know the relationship that we have, like I, I I know where you're coming from there, but I also like you know I I know what it's like to hit something new and to automatically think right. it's it's on us. The, the obstacle we we've, we've got to figure it out. We've got to do this instead of just like knowing like you got us. Right. Right. Yep. All right. So that that. The, the piece of faith, um, how do you how do you operate that? And this is me asking as a father, like, how do you do? You, do you feel like you guide your your family in faith? Do you feel like you tell them what they should do or what they shouldn't do, or like how how do, how how can we approach that as a dad in our beliefs and 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 you know you've got three boys, so what right. is what is that what does that look like? Yeah, I think just trying to model it, mm-hmm. you know, not, um, I grew up going to Catholic church every Sunday and mm-hmm. ended up hating it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just out of duty and right. there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that was my, you sure. know, that it just, it just became monotonous. And right. so I just try to model what being a, a good dad, a good husband is to my wife with them. You know, we're not sitting down having any discussions on faith hope and love or anything right, like right, that right. you know but i think more in the dailiness yeah that through you know osmosis in many sure. ways just kind of treating people the way you want to be treated right you know that that you know dan allen the founder of this graduate school that i went to you know he's a theologian he's a psychologist psychologist and he counsels all kinds of different people and and um he never use the word Jesus in any of his counseling. Not because he's afraid to, but just because it, he lives out who that is and he doesn't need to say the word. And if people want to talk about it, he'll talk about it. But in his role, he's not out there preaching Jesus, but but it's the foundation of who he is and it's the support. And, And so just watching him counsel and, in a variety of contexts and yeah. just, and then we get, had a chance to talk to him about it, but it, it, it he is loving them yeah. well, right. you know, without preaching, right. You know, and that just really stuck to me, you yeah. know, that, that, and, and then you, you know, I've been around some people who were like that and you're like, wow, something's a little different yeah. about that person. Like more centered, more grounded or more okay. Like, what is it? And right. then when somebody asks you that question, yeah. then the door, oh, right wide open to right. share what's going on and it seems see it seems like almost so many times what you're saying is like you, you, you gotta model it you want to model it for your family dan allender modeled the love of god right which is so contrary to hey let's go tell everybody about god let's go tell everybody about jesus and just talk and just talk and just talk right and then maybe our lives don't model it like right like i mean I think Jesus warned a ton about that, right? Uh, you know, to the Pharisees or to you know the religious leaders at the time that he was talking to, and so for us not to to walk in those steps right. sounds like that's kind of what you want to do. And 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 you know, we, we you and I talk about st- things like this right. all the time when right. we get to when we get to see each other. So I think that's something that 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 modeling piece I think I've taken from you and it's sunk in with me about you know. Because the other pieces too, you know, in talking with my my pastor, uh, we meet often on Tuesdays. Is like the the thought, you know, he spends a ton of time 
pursuing God outside of church. Like, yeah, he's a pastor, but personally, he wants to be so connected to God. And in the modeling piece, you know, he just, we, we talk about it as a group, as like, you know, like, do we show our kids how we spend time with Jesus or how we spend time? You know, like a lot of times it's our quiet time. It's our personal quiet time. So those who we're modeling it to may not see it. And it's, and I think so, as I think about that, I think I'm going to want to invite my, my, my kids into some of the time that I have with Mm -hmm. them. Not as a like, Hey, this is how you do it. But as in like, this is what it looks like because it's confu- like right. you know if we if we just talked to anybody who had no concept about spending you know God right. and we said yeah you spend time with God you're like what are you talking about like, right, you right, can't right, see right. him right you know like who are you what are you what are you talking about so I think that's something that I I, I think personally I'd like to um, yeah and I, I don't yeah I get it I think that's yeah. a, I don't I haven't invited them into yeah, yeah, mine yeah. I get you know but that makes sense that they can see but as you were talking two things come up one is that to your pastor's point I'm I'm, like I don't think we pursue God I think God is there sure you know and that's not what you're saying but I just like he's there it's the 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 imminence of God like he's present he's we don't have to go somewhere to see him but you have to get intentional well right 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 right. i'm just saying when i hear pursue like i'm going to get something yeah yeah that's that's it's out there yeah yeah yeah. that's that's what hits me when you yeah when you say that that i don't i don't because i've been trying to pursue things my whole life so i feel like i'm sensitive to that that word you know for me to pursue the, the the basketball stardom or pursue, you know, relief from the anxiety or inner terror right. that I dealt with. Like right. so, you know, when I can understand that, no, I, it's he's he's right here. Yeah, We're okay yeah. right here, right now right. in this moment. Yeah, like let's take a deep breath. Yeah. you know, call time out. You know what I mean? And like that's you know that's that's what I've been learning and yeah, learned yeah. that that calmness and settledness. That's a great point, man. Because a lot of times we don't like we don't feel like God is with us. We feel like we have to go get him. Or or we feel like we've messed up and that he's distanced himself right. from us. And so but just the thought that he's just he's just right. there. Right. And we just have to intentionally put our mind and our heart on him. Right. That's a that's a really good way of I, I will I will probably change the way that I say, you know, pursuing right. God. Because that, that makes well, it's, it it's, makes a lot of sense. It's like so much of life is go 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 right and and like i don't that, that's not helpful if we yeah. just translate that into our spiritual journey right it's, it's it's whether you're pursuing god or pursuing money like right. the, the effort right i think i don't think i don't yeah the my yoke is easy what's the little yeah, yeah. <laughs> like rest yeah. in me right like my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, yeah. thank you. You know, um, like that's what I think right. people need to hear. Right. That's what I want my boys to know, Luke to know. Like Luke, it's okay, man. Yeah. Like we'll figure this out, right, or you'll right, figure right. it out, or we'll, you know. You, yeah. When he tore his ACL, like you know, right. It's hard to understand that in the heat of the moment, right? You know, but but I think as we you know, can can operate that way when the times aren't tough. Yeah. When the, the tough times do come, we yeah. have a foundation. Sure. Um, to help us kind of just journey through that. Right. Absolutely. And so, um, 
man, I feel like we could go deeper for another, you know, two hours, but in, in, in effort to, uh, to keep our audience tuned in, right? Um, I'm gonna, you know, you you've then progressed from uh, school into, you know, you were in commercial real estate beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. And you're you're still in commercial real estate, but you've also got your, you know, your degree, and you kind of, you know, you know, a businessman. You kind of you're you're free flowing <laughs> in a lot of what you do, so that you can spend a lot of time with your family. What's a what's a day in the life look like for Bruce Stankavich? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I get up pretty early. My youngest son has got up at 5.30 to 6 o'clock every single day uh, in 11 years. And Luke did the same thing, you know, so I never was a morning person. Right. But um, having kids, it just became yeah. necessity. Like, you right. can't sleep in. Um, right. And I must admit that my wife usually does most of the stuff in the morning that early, but I get up. Right, right. And then my mind starts going. And so... Sure. Um, so I still get up early. Sometimes I work out. Sometimes I don't. Um, and then I come to my office in, in here, and that's where I do have some some contemplative prayer time. Sure. You know, uh, is what I would call it, um, where it's just kind of being peaceful and relaxed and listening and praying. You know, yeah. so um, and then I just go about my day. You know, with with my business and what's right. going on. I do. You know, one of the things that I've that's always been very, very important to me is being there for my kids and having some flexibility, work right. flexibility, where I haven't, you know, really had a paycheck. I, I was Twenty, I don't even know how long, you know. Right. Um, and so that's that's great flexibility. There's yeah. also a lot of risk in that. Sure, so there's sure. been some ups and downs, but right. I wouldn't trade that for anything, yeah. you know. Um, we were talking this morning, Nick and I, you know, about people that work in different places and leaving at six, coming home at seven at night and making all this money. I'm like, man, yeah. I, you know, this morning I got to, we're here, you know, yeah. I got to watch Luke work out. Right. Um, you know, I can come home earlier. Kids have to go to practice or a football game at three or four. I can make it. You know, right, that's, right. that's, that's very important to me. Right. So I'm not sure I answered the question. No, no, Absolutely. That flexibility to do well, and so a day in the life of Bruce is really not the same nearly every day because you do have the flexibility. Now let me let me make sure that our audience does understand. Uh, Bruce, with a a graduate degree um, from out there in Seattle, and then also you know you studied business at Lafayette. Mm -hmm. So Bruce, Bruce has it together. When he says he he's he's not received a paycheck, that means he's not worked really for somebody else that's giving him a paycheck every two weeks. Bruce, I mean, he gets after it in commercial real estate. I am, I, you know, I look at, at him as a mentor in the business world, me owning my own business. And, and, um, so, so Bruce is, he's, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're a good leader in that way. So, um, I appreciate that from you. Now I'm going to, I'm going to turn it on you real quick. Is there anything that you would, that you would like to ask me? Is, you know, I've been asking you questions right. all day. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the one, like, what would you tell your younger self? Hmm. You know, what would you tell, let's say, your 17-year-old self? Uh, I think what I would tell my 17-year-old self is that is really is is really that I could be very aggressive and still honor God. Hmm. I think I had this 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 mindset of 
I have to, um, you know, love Jesus on one hand, and then, like, I had to be really nice to, like, you know, I kind of grew up in church, and I grew up, and look, I was a good athlete, just because it was in my genes, and so, but I didn't, I I wasn't a tough kid, like, I wasn't a tough, mental, mentally tough kid, like, you know, I had a pretty good upbringing, my parents were pretty loving, and I had an older brother and an older sister, like, but I didn't know, like, I could be a dog on the basketball Mm -hmm. court and honor God with that, like, I felt like, like, in, 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 in searching for manhood and whatever, like, it was always, you know, like, I was just taught to be nice, like, growing up in church, like, be a nice guy and behave well and that kind of thing, and so if I got out of that, you know, that circle or that, that realm of behavior, right. then it was almost like I was dishonoring God, and where to, to be able to tell him, like, you know, I'm not, you know, like, yeah, you can, you can do things that kind of pull you away from God in a way if you're but really like he's always going to love you and he's always going to welcome you back if you you know get your heart and your mind back on him and so that's what I think I would and I would I would I would try to dial up the aggressiveness in my you know because for my journey was a little different than yours but I had to I had to fight to get my way onto the court and I wish I had to fight earlier well that that reminds me if I can comment on that because I've studied that or talked a lot about that in, in different contexts in the past like and I think you know, the image that people have of Jesus is of the nice yeah. lamb over his kindness <laughs> and weak, and that's only half of who he was. Right. And and so, you know, yes, Jesus was kind and he was nice, you know, but he was also tough as nails yeah. and he also turned over the tables. And I think that that as men, as boys, it's both of us. Like Absolutely. we don't we don't honor the image of God within us if we are too much on one way right. versus the other. Right, we right, need right. to incorporate. And to me, that's what Jesus modeled, you know, is, is, the, is the fierceness, is the toughness, and then also is the kindness, you know. And I saw, you know, I'm surprised we're going back to Dan Allen, but when I, Dan is a, is a wild-looking dude and he's intense, but he's also the kindest man. Yeah. He's the first guy that I actually saw that modeled in. Yeah, when he yeah, was yeah. counseling with this young girl, young lady, the kindness that just poured out of him as yeah. he heard her story was just, it was, uh, it was just, he modeled it, like the kindness. And, and that's, that's what I want for my boys yeah. too, and, and it is to have, have both. I was, you know, yeah, I was too nice at times too. I would fluctuate. Yeah. There's no balance. Right. You know, I was either a right. really jerk or I didn't say anything. Right, right. You, you know. Yeah. Um, and well, so, and, but we also live in a world where kindness gets mistaken as right. weakness. Right. And so, for Jesus to walk around with a ton of kindness, right. there was no weakness in that. And you know, we had a conversation with some of the. We had a high school camp uh, a few weeks back, and it was like, like Jesus was like the most mentally tough person, right. like. Like, if you think about, like, mental toughness, like, right. mental toughness on the floor is when somebody can't take you out of your game. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you stay on your mission regardless if somebody starts clapping in your face or right. we've seen that image where, you know, Matt yeah. Barnes tried to throw the, you know, fake pass the ball at Kobe's face, right, right, right. you know, and Kobe didn't flinch. Right. You know, like, mental toughness was that. Right. And, like, Jesus had a mission to redeem us back to God. Right. And, like, like, he wouldn't come off of that mission. Right. Like, no matter how much they beat him, no matter how much how right. they, they cursed him or spit on him or did whatever they did, right. you know, like, 
Like, that's mm-hmm. mental toughness. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have to come out and lash out. Like, so strength on the other side is not just, like, brute force, like, yeah. mulling over everybody over and just yeah. being like, hey, I'm here, you right. know? Like, right. this, the, the, even the strength that he had, the way that it was displayed, right. is something that it sounds like even you were talking about Dan Allen or oh, how yeah. he displayed that. Yeah, and that's what I, you know, that would be my hope for... And wisdom yeah. is to know when to use yeah, the sword yeah. and when to, to, to be kind. Yeah. You know, and I think in, in my business life, as a position of power that I have in my company and these mm-hmm. people, like, you know, I consciously try, in many ways, try to live that out, which even in these little interactions, which are really aren't little, there is no mm-hmm. such thing as a little interaction, but with an employee, if I treat them with respect and kindness, yeah. In, in many ways, it could change their narrative and their understanding of what power looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's such an abuse of power in, in the world, yeah. whether it's coaches, business, and parents, where, you know, we, we disrespect the whole mm-hmm. Me Too movement, all of that, like where, and so just in my own little world with the people that, that do some things for us, I, I'm very conscious of how I treat them because I know that if I can be, as a, as a person of power, how I treat them matters, right. and 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 when I treat them with kindness and respect, and 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 to see their face light up, and to send, wow, I've never had somebody treat me like this right. before, a boss treat me like this before, you know. And so I, I say that not because about me, but but because there are no minor interactions. Right. How we treat the person that's serving us coffee, right. you know, with kindness or a smile, like like that matters. Yeah, and especially especially for people. That, that have power or influence. Yeah, power is yeah, what's yeah. come to me. But, sure. but like, that's, that's, we have to write that, yeah. you know? And yeah. Jesus didn't abuse his power no. at your point. My goodness, right? You, you know, like, he didn't. And he was very w- wary of that. And, and he was very intentional, I guess. Yeah. I mean, but so, I, anyway, I, I don't know what got me off on that yeah, tangent, yeah. but, but I, like, that's, that's important. And Absolutely. that's, and that's, and, and so I'm very picky when I, allow my kids to be coached by people because I want I want I I know what a bad coach can do to to athletes absolutely and and so I'm very wary I'm very choosy and picky who I like to influence them because you know I mean I'm sure you know athletes that were really good or got a bad coach and end up quitting or hated the sport or whatever because of of the coach or the parent whatever like and so I, I am whether it's ho- hockey, football, bat, like I, 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 I'm gonna run into you that coach. Like I want right. to know. Absolutely. You, you know. Right. And um, that's you know that's part of you being a dad and making sure that your boys get the best right. in terms of you know how somebody cares about them. Right. And so I mean honestly that's a that to me I think is a great question to ask back to the audience if you're a if you're a coach or if you're a parent or if you're a teacher if you're in some sort of leadership position where you have some power. Um, or influence like how do you use it how do you use it is it something that is in a way that that represents how Jesus you know God incarnate used his power and so I think that's something that we can we can push back on them um, but dude this has been a, a, a fantastic conversation I appreciate you coming on board with us and um, you know I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how Luke progresses and, and uh, 
his recruitment and how he plays this year and and certainly uh, you and I will stay connected. Yeah, is there a way that uh, people can connect with you? Uh, you know, social media wise. Yeah, I would just say uh, at B Stan Cabbage. Yeah. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, my email B Stan Cabbage at me. Nice. M E dot com. Nice. But yeah, just. And I will tell you, uh, also audience, if if you do send Bruce an email and some questions about this, he will he will get back to you. I mean, he's got a great heart and uh, he's a dear friend of mine. So, Bruce, we appreciate it, man. And uh, for all of you out there. Keep, uh, keep living it up. F2 Podcast, we out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the F2 Basketball Podcast. Remember, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at F2 underscore basketball. You can also search for us on Facebook and YouTube. This podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. We'll see you next time for another episode of the F2 Basketball Podcast.